Hello gamers, I'm Jonathan Hicks and this is episode 2 of the Farsight podcast. I'm just still deciding what I want to do with this podcast. I'm deciding just how detailed I want it to be. Um, I've been thinking about having an intro music or some kind of intro jingle. Uh, it's the Farsight podcast. You know what I mean? Or something like that. I, I, I'm really not, not decided because podcasting is not what I'm actually focused on. I'm kind of just doing this as a bit of a bit of a side quest. So, um, I don't know, if you've got any thoughts or ideas, then please don't hesitate to contact me on my Twitter. So, uh, what am I talking about today? Well, I'm talking about being a snob in gaming. Uh, I wrote an article quite a while ago on RPG.net called... Um, oh, blimey, scroll past it now. It's, it was called J.R.R. Tolkien and My Role-Playing Hobby. See, my issue was that I grew up with J.R.R. Tolkien. It's one of the first massive fantasy settings that I was exposed to in 1980, early 1980s. And I didn't actually properly start gaming in Tolkien's world for the better part of 10 years, not properly anyway. So I already had this idea in my head of exactly what Middle Earth was like. I'd listened to the BBC uh, radio play, I'd uh, seen the, the Ralph Bakshi movie of course. I'd seen cartoons, I'd read comics, I'd read the books back to back several times, uh, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, and all the other peripheral books as well, The Silmarillion, Book of Lost Tales and all that sort of thing. So I'd like to think I was well versed in um, Tolkien lore and the world itself. I think my issue was when I came to actually play games or run games in Middle-earth, my issue was is that the players weren't acting the way I expected them to act. They weren't doing things the way that I wanted them to do it. Because we, we played a lot of D&D up to that point. Uh, and a lot of D&D was basically just a lot of messing around, to be fair. We were teenagers at the time. So we'd create characters with silly names like Jam Donut and uh, I think there's one guy called Whatcha Looking At, I'd, some known dude, it was a long time ago, I have vague memories. So yeah, we did spend a lot of time messing about. So when we came over to Middle Earth, for me, it was something special. This was a rich, diverse world, which I was absolutely in love with, with different races and different, with a massive history and different locations to visit. And it was very vivid inside my head. So. When I started running the games and the players weren't having that same kind of reverence, that same kind of respect that I have for the world, and they just wanted to mess around and do silly things, yeah, I got annoyed um, because I was a snob. I was a snob about the setting. Uh, I wasn't expecting them to go into massive theatrics and Shakespearean speeches about, oh, thy father is a, a melon or what have you. I wasn't expecting them to to act the way that you you know with the same sort of speech that, that would be too much to ask from any player unless you're all on the same page and that's what you were there for but I think back then I expected them to have a little bit more respect for the setting or at least the same level of respect for the setting uh, that I had and I think that's what made it very difficult for me to run a, a role-playing game in Tolkien's uh, Middle Earth when I've when I first created a character for Mert Middle Earth role-playing by Iron Crown Enterprises I created a character called Tear Sword Song, and that was for uh, a friend of mine who was running a, a game set in Middle Earth, and it was absolutely fantastic. In fact, Tear Sword Song was one of the very first characters that I got emotionally invested in. He had a history, had a background, uh, things that happened to him which defined his character. He, he lost an eye, he lost friends. We played this character for a couple of years. He was absolutely fantastic. I really, he, he still remains my favourite character. One because he was a great character, and two because he was a Middle Earth character. But as the games progressed. Uh, we noticed in, in Dungeons and Dragons games and games like it when your characters progress the world becomes a lot smaller and the better you get the more influence you have on the world at large but for me not so in Middle Earth because you see I was always a believer in working around the established story and the established canon and what was going on in the books and the and all the bits and bobs 
So at some point, your character's going to get to a level where they were probably affecting a, a, a location, but they couldn't really affect what was going on in the entire world because that was for the, the bigger characters from the actual Lord of the Rings books to be doing. So I always felt a little bit limited, like I couldn't go too far. And what happened anyway is that my friend uh, decided that Middle-earth was restricting his freedom as far as the as far as expansive as he wanted to take the story. So he changed it to a fantasy Europe, and that became a much better game because then he could literally do whatever he wanted. So with a, with a world that he pretty much made up. So And that's, that worked out best for the, for the both of us. And I think that was the issue that I had with uh, Lord of the Rings when I was running it as a games master. Before uh, Lord of the Rings, I was running a big Star Wars campaign from about 1987 onwards. And me and friends, especially uh, Mark Newbold, who's the editor at uh, fanthatracks.com, so go and check those guys out. There'll be links uh, to everything I've spoken about in, um, in the write-up for this. Uh, we created, along with other friends, a place called in the Star Wars universe called the Setting Sector. And the Setting Sector was huge and it was expansive. And there was dozens and dozens of planets and lots and lots of different characters. But the way we designed it, was that, yes, it was in the Star Wars universe, but it was set slightly separate from the Star Wars universe. Now we've actually set it in like a cluster of stars called the Tetherpod Cluster. And, it's, it, and what was happening there, it was separate, like the corporate sector authority was uh, when Brian Daly was doing the Han Solo books. So you could have big, massive, sector-wide, explosive adventures there where our characters would make a difference, but it wasn't affecting what was happening in the main story, so of the actual Star Wars trilogy. Um, so... The characters that we created and the events that we and the adventures that we took part in felt really, really alive uh, because they were part of official canon. Uh, well, not not they weren't officially part of canon, of course, but they were they were set in a place where the where the actual story, the proper big Star Wars stories with the Skywalker saga, was still happening. But then we were having adventures in our own place. I found I couldn't do that with, with Middle Earth and Lord of the Rings because. Because it's it's just one continent, and how far can you go on one continent in the Star Wars galaxy? You can go to stars, you can go to stars and clusters and nebulas, God knows how long, uh, how far from the galactic centre where everything's kicking off. But in Middle Earth, yeah, a few days, and then you're in a recognisable location. You're at Isengard, you're at Minas Tirith. You know, it's just uh, it was just a little bit too restrictive. Uh, I think the reason why I'm talking about this now is because soon uh, Medifius is releasing the Dune role-playing game. Uh, I haven't been this excited about a role-playing game since uh, the announcement for the Alien role-playing game. Uh, the Alien, uh, well, the film Alien is my favourite film of all time. So when um, Free Ligan, or Free League Publishing, uh, announced the Alien RPG, that was just insane because it was my favourite franchise with one of my favourite publishers using one of my favourite systems. I used to play their Coriolis game which is just a fantastic, and I always thought this is such a dark, gritty game, the system is so good, this would make a great Alien game. So when those three things came together, Alien, Free Ligan, and their system, um, yeah, it's kind of like role-playing Nirvana for me, but Dune is probably my second favourite. Actually, no, I'd probably put it up equal there with Tolkien, as far as the written word's concerned. This is my favourite science fiction uh, novel of all time. It's... So yes, we've got the film coming out, of course, and then Villeneuve is uh, making the film. We've got the board game that came out, which I regrettably still haven't picked up yet. But yeah, the role-playing game is what I'm focused on. So I think I'm going to have the same issues with Dune that I had with Tolkien's Middle Earth, whereas I'm going to feel a little bit restricted about what I can and can't do. And I'm also going to be very wary about how my players are going to view uh, the world and how they're going to interact with it. 
will they have the same kind of uh, sort of respect or reverence for the setting that I do? I find settings like that a little bit difficult. So I am excited about Dune. Oh God, I can't begin to tell you how excited I am about Dune. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see what options they give you as far as the actual game's concerned. I hear that they're going to allow you to create your own houses, which is just spot on for me. That's going to be absolutely brilliant. That's probably going to how I'm going to get around this snobbery that I have about the settings. So anyway, that's what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, you'll find the, my, the full details of the article about uh, Tolkien and my role-playing hobby uh, on RPG.net. If you go to the column Observations from a Gamer's Chair, it's article number 32. Right, I had a question uh, from Ellen Fox, and his question was, what's more important, the role-play or the game? Of course, it's, that's down to each individual group. It depends on what you're there for. If you're there to run a simulator, uh, about how your character can beat what the DM or the GM has created for you or, or you want to just basically want a, a very detailed skirmish game then of course it's going to be the game if you're there to tell a story it's going to be about the role play I like to strike a balance I do know that there are people there at the table who want to roll dice they want to shoot things in the face they want to stab things with swords they want to swing through windows they want to fly starships they want to get into car chases because that's that's what makes role playing fun as far as the actual role play is concerned uh, I like to leave that to the players. I, I'm not massively fond of social mechanics. I, I do find them handy um, as far as as far as between uh, PC and NPC is concerned. I do find them handy depending if you, the kind of reaction that you want to get from an NPC, and you're not entirely too sure how they're going to react to the way somebody's spoken to them. But saying that. I do prefer when characters, when players actually role play. Um, and if they still want to roll a dice, then depending on how well they've role played, will depend on how much of a bonus I give them to their role. Or how badly they role played will depend on how much of a negative I give them to their role. So if they say something completely stupid and then want to make a, a social role, then I'll go, well, yeah, but you have had to lock a bit of a knob. So uh, yeah, I'm going to knock some points off for that, sorry. So, um, so I find them equally important depending on the group. If I had to sit down and play a perfect game, then it would be it would probably lean towards the more role play side of things, the more story side of things, because when we sit down and have our discussions about our old games from the eighties and nineties, yes, we do remember the odd fight and all. Do you remember that court when I kicked the door in and I shot that guy and he fell out the window? You know what I mean? But the main, most things, the main things that we remember are those really unique role play moments where we sat and we created a story and there was real drama and there was real tension, and that's what people seem to remember the most because they're you have the emotion to hide from a really high role as far as sort of smacking somebody on the face is concerned and a really critical moment but i find that the emotional resonance is more with those role-playing scenes and that's what people that's what people remember the most so i have hit my 11 minute limit uh, and that's it for this week's podcast thank you very much for listening uh, i will be experimenting with sound and music over the next few podcasts so you're gonna have to bear with me uh, but until next time, thank you very much for, uh, for listening and I will see you again. Bye bye for now.